0: Hello, I'm David Sparks, and joined by my fellow co-host, Rosemary Orchard, and this is The Automators. Hello, Rosemary. How are you today?
1: Hello, David. I am very uh, thundery, but only because I've been listening to some. How are you?
0: How are you? I was going to say, is it raining? Maybe it's not. We have a guest today. Welcome to the show, Charlie Chapman, the developer of Dark Noise. Hey, hey. Charlie, uh I was telling you before we start recording how much I love your application and gang if you haven't checked it out you should. It's called Dark Noise and there was a whole slew of applications on the iPhone and iPad at you know for the longest time that would make white noise or sounds of a storm. Charlie showed up. What was it about a year and a half ago that Dark Noise hit the scene? It was yeah, August of 2019. Yeah, so so I guess it wasn't that long at all. Uh, but either way, um, so Dark Noise showed up and I tried the app and immediately said, oh yeah, here is a noise app by a guy that gets it. Uh, Dark Noise, the reason we have Charlie on today is because Dark Noise is the most automation-friendly app if you want to create background noise that works with shortcuts and does a whole bunch of cool stuff. And it uh, turns out Charlie is also an automator like the rest of us. So we thought it'd be fun to talk to him today. So, so Charlie, uh, just tell us a little bit about you know where you're from and what you do. Um, so
2: I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, here in the U.S. And uh, I'm a developer. I've developed in a lot of different, uh, like settings and stacks for a while. But last year, I got the opportunity to jump over to an iOS uh, team, which I, I had no iOS experience at all. Uh, so it was I was very grateful for my company for letting me do that. But part of my way of trying to teach myself all this was build an application get it out in the store and use that as a way to also be spending all of your time after work uh trying to get a hold of you know that whole development stack and so uh so now I feel like I can really truly call myself an iOS developer now so
0: I I guess I'd say that's what my job is now Uh, given how often I run your app I think you're definitely an iOS developer
1: (laughs) (laughs) what kind of uh, programming were you doing before Charlie
2: um. So .dot NET, uh, Microsoft's like stack was sort of where I lived most of the time. In fact, I was one of the uh, one of the few uh, Windows Phone and Windows Eight developers back in the day. So I actually did have a little bit of experience doing mobile development and touch uh, friendly development, um, but mostly it was web development.
1: Yeah, and Windows Phone was very different to Android or iOS from what I remember. I had a friend with one, and I was like, oh, "This is interesting, but very different." You know.
2: I could talk about it for a long time, uh, (laughs) but it it was an interesting platform. It was definitely too little too late,
0: but, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. They, they made fun of Apple when they first came out and they, (laughs) they really missed the boat. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think that was a better platform than Android. I mean, Android has obviously evolved, so don't, don't send me email, but the, um, out of the gate, I thought, they had some really interesting ideas. And the thing I liked about it is it wasn't a copy of iOS. It was a completely different kind of opinion of it. Yeah, exactly. It was also interesting because I remember the original uh, Windows mobile platform, I think it was called Windows CE or something like that. A guy in my office had one and I I tried it for like an hour and realized how much I hated it. But this was like (laughs) years ago. Uh, But but either way, you know, so Charlie, um, when this app, you know, that you came up with dark noise. It's such an interesting concept in that here is a category of applications, you know, an app that can make the sound of a waterfall or a a thunderstorm or just white noise. But um, there was a bunch of them. They were all kind of garbage in terms of the user interface and in Mm -hmm. terms of just like having an opinion. And so your app shows up. And it's so interesting to me that not only does it do – the noise is very well. In fact, I was telling you before the show started, we've got a puppy in the house. I've been playing dark noise in the thunderstorm a lot because I wanted the dog not to be freaked out by the sound of thunder. And then we just had our first thunderstorm and the dog didn't know a difference between your app and the thunderstorm. So she just sat there and chewed on her bone just like normal. It was great, right? But the uh, but you but you showed up with this totally different design. And and how did you come across that and, and br- decide to bring automation to boot?
2: I think maybe it's stereotypical to say this, but I was kind of coming at this with the like, what would an Apple designed white noise app look like, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Um, And also definitely a guiding light behind all this is Mac stories. Uh, Like I've been reading their reviews for a long time. And so sort of Federico and that team, they're sort of like to my mind, the tastemakers for what like a good app really feels like. And so I was definitely driven by, like, how I would imagine them writing about this app. Uh, That would would drive a lot of decisions I made in terms of, like, keeping the design more simple, um, but also, like, having a lot of the Apple-specific integrations in there. And that's definitely what drove the Shortcuts integration was, you know, I was sort of targeting this, like, Apple fan uh, community more than the broader community necessarily. And I knew that that would be something that would be really appreciated. And it was something that wasn't, uh, completely captured or at least not marketed as a feature of a lot of the other apps that were on the store already.
0: Agreed. And did the community reward you? Because it seems like everybody I know is using the app.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And like not only using it, but, uh, sharing like I, on launch day, uh, Chris Lolly, I'm apologize if I pronounce that wrong. Uh he made a YouTube video on launch day, which I had no correspondence with him before. And it was talking about how he's been using the beta with his shortcuts. And there's been a lot of stuff uh, like that from a bunch of people, including you, Rosemary, where like you're rewarding me by like talking about using it because it's kind of exciting to share the automations that you build.
1: Yes, it definitely is. And I have to say, you know, what are the things that pretty much every other dark noise app that I've ever used has universally had in common? Um, aside from a really terrible UI, is seemingly zero interest in actually supporting automation. And you may think, why would I want to automate a dark noise application? Well, especially if, like David, you have a, a home screen launcher system made of shortcuts. Well, guess what? When you start this scene, then you can automatically add noises to you know get you in that mindset. So when I hear thunder, I'm doing automators. But when I hear a waterfall, I'm dealing with nested folders. And it's very nice to have that Automatically built into things, and you know you've you've managed to really get that in there, and that's greatly appreciated at the very least by me.
0: <laughs> it's a it's a very easy automation. So if you install the application, um, there is a dark noise action group in essence, and like an example of how I use the app with automation is uh, one of my favorite things to do at Starbucks. Although I'm not doing that this week, is go in with an iPad you know, put on a pair of headphones and just grind through email. Like I have kind of flagged emails that I want to give a little more attention to, you know, versus the triage that you do when you're going through email fast. And I thought it'd be fun to, to do that and have some music in my ear. So whenever I hit the shortcut that launches into my mail review, it immediately starts playing the thunderstorm and I've got headphones on, I'm sitting in Starbucks and I'm just off to the races Sounds silly, but having that happen automatically is almost like a mental trigger, and I think there's some real truth to that when your brain associates a sound with a focus, and uh, you can do that with this app. So so thanks, Charlie.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely an area that I had previously been using white noise for sleeping and for <laughs> helping my kids sleep. Um, I didn't realize until I opened up the beta how big of a deal it would be on the like productivity side of things. Um, And that's definitely where shortcuts are used probably the most frequently is people that are using it to help focus while they're at work in a busy office, in a coffee shop, whatever it would be.
1: Or at the moment where they're using it to drown out the sounds of everybody else being stuck in the house with them, because um, (laughs) at at least at the time of recording, this may be resolved by the time we release. We are recording a little in advance here. You know, there's quarantine in a lot of countries in Europe over here. And, you know, David is uh, pretty much stuck at home, so he's got a cute puppy to keep him entertained. But everybody is at home. And uh, for people not used to that, that can be very difficult, whether that's because home is too quiet or home is too loud. So being able to to use your app to either simulate maybe an office or or white noise is definitely going to be helpful to many people. Of that, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, I, I've put out a call recently for people to make requests for certain sounds that might be helpful in this type of situation, specifically for people who are like home alone, that are used to having the sounds of humans around them. Uh, I feel like that could get Start making you go pretty stir crazy pretty quick, so maybe that would help people out a little bit if they can simulate uh, humans being around.
1: Yes, and uh, just for anybody who works on a construction site, there is a construction sound if you, if you are stuck at home. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Another one that, r- r- frankly, works for me that I didn't think would is there's a coffee shop sounds. So, like if you're like if you can't go to Starbucks this week because you're worried about this this illness, uh, you could have the coffee shop sounds right at home. Just. Just open up Dark Noise. But, you know, we, we're really not here to give you an hour and a half ad, even though we would like to, <laughs> because it's a great app. Uh, but I want to talk to you a little bit about automation. But but before we do that, let's hear from our first sponsor. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Kensington, the professional's choice. Go to kensington.com slash automators to find the universal docking station for you. Kensington is the people who make universal docking stations that are designed to increase productivity. It's easy to use. You can get access to more ports and make your sleek MacBook, Chromebook, or other laptop as powerful as a desktop. It's plug and play with no drivers, so you can enjoy up to dual 4K displays with HDMI and display link video connectors, plus USB 3.0, USB-C, and Thunderbolt 3 with power delivery available. It's awesome just sitting down at your desk Plugging one cable into your laptop and you're off to the races. The Kensington engineering team has three decades of experience in high-volume manufacturing of hardware IT products, plus rigorous test cycles and quality control means their products are tested above the industry standards. If you're an IT decision maker looking to find the right docking solutions for your organization, check out Kensington's Pro Concierge program and test drive a docking solution today. Go to kensington.com slash automators right now to check out Kensington. That's kensington.com slash automators, A-U-T-O-M-A-T-O-R-S, to learn more. Our thanks to Kensington for their support of this show and all of Real AFM.
1: So, Charlie, how did you get started with automation and in getting involved in this sort of thing? Um, so, it's kind of
2: hard to, to say specifically because, it, to me, automation is so wrapped up in my career ending up in uh, software development at all. So like, if I were to like take it back to where the first time I remember doing anything that I would call automation, it would be uh, (laughs) whenever I was in high school and we had the TI-83 plus calculator and we found out that you could write little programs in TI-Basic. And most of us, at first we were just writing games, right? Like not really automation or you know, making the matrix letters fall down the screen. But at one point, uh i realized that i could build my uh chemistry calculations and formulas into like a little little sort of app which at this point i would probably more call like an automation where i could input uh you know the 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 different inputs in terms of like how many milliliters or whatever and then uh it would output the answer to whatever problem i had which <laughs> i don't know maybe you consider that cheating i don't know but that was that first sort of foray into like oh i can build this little thing automatically does something that i was manually writing out and it'll just spit out the answers for me a lot faster and then that is that is really what took me into programming in general but also like i had a whole slew of these little utility apps that i would build not just for math but for all sorts of things uh, on my on my calculator when i was in high school
1: I would say, on the one hand, a chemistry teacher may ter- determine that to be cheating. I would say that <laughs> yeah. that is a smart use of your the available resources. Um, so you know, <laughs> as as long as you weren't necessarily cheating in an exam where you wouldn't have remembered the formula, then I think we can call that OK and just automation. And I never have one of those calculators, but I'm now thinking of pulling out pCalc because pCalc, you can do the same sort of thing with that nowadays. And uh, having a play with that uh, need some formulas though and some problems to solve with it. You the Pythagoras there?
0: I'm a little older than you guys, but the uh, Radio Shack had one when I was in college in the late '80s that had a keyboard and and you could program Basic on it. And I used to do the same thing in college. I would write computer programs. You know, I was I did some engineering. I was an engineering student before I became a lawyer, and the um. And I wrote all my programs and formulas into these little programs I'd write into this calculator. And I just felt like such a boss. I remember that.
1: (laughs) Well, the question is, if we put Charlie in front of one of those calculators today, can you still program one of those little applications? Oh, man. It's probably using a very different language to Swift, I'm guessing.
2: Uh, Slightly, yeah. I remember it had go-to's. Uh, which is not a thing that I've really used since then.
1: <laughs> I, I I remember using that not that many years ago in a exam where we also had to write code on paper. So <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: It's funny how everybody who starts learning in BASIC starts out by running text adventures. It's like, that's just yep part of the process you go through. I'm sure you wrote them on your calculator, probably.
2: Oh, definitely. Those are the games we were making. Uh, the ones that were getting passed around, like the intense... You know, platformers, or uh, I'm sure Doom was on there. Uh, those those were not what we were doing. We were definitely making little text adventures.
0: But then the automation got a little more serious as you uh, got further in your career. Where'd you go after the TI 83?
2: Um, so I don't. It's weird because I I sort of um I wasn't really in the like automation world. I I wasn't even really in the Mac world in the sense that I think about it now um even though i did use a mac but i primarily was using it for uh like i did a lot of video editing and motion graphics and stuff and i would actually switch over to windows whenever i did uh uh, com- uh programming work because we were doing everything on the microsoft stack even in school yeah. and so in the windows world we used a uh, powershell uh which is significantly less uh nice but that was sort of my like introduction into like automation in i guess the more traditional sense and often that was used for, uh, for like, builds at work, uh, you know, running, like, suites of little tests. Um, and then the first thing I can remember doing, like, personal was when I started doing, uh, like, user testing for websites where we would use some applications that could, like, run a website uh, automatically. And so you could build these scripts that would, like, you know, Click buttons on the website and do testing for you but then I realized like I could do some things at home that took a long time. I could build a little automation that would you know open up I could click one button and it would open up my email and go to you know this filtered list or something like that um, but it wasn't really until shortcuts that I started truly doing what this show would probably consider automation and that again Mac stories being the the one that really drove my interest in it. Uh, cause he sort of showed how I could build things myself. Obviously the, the really intense ones that he built uh, are, are honestly over my head, but there'd be little things I'm frequently doing that I'd realize I can, I can probably do automatically. Like I had a little podcast, um, before my most recent one and I foolishly made like social accounts for every single social platform. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to post all those, but I didn't, you know, it's this little podcast. I didn't want to, uh post to or i didn't want to like pay for a big application that could do all this stuff for you so i tried building those out in automations and while the hooks aren't necessarily great um it still was nice to be able to like have it prompt me to ask you know what's the title what's the link to it and uh what number episode is it and then it would at least copy and paste and put it into the pasteboard and then open up reddit or open up twitter and sort of get me moving through all the different social platforms i needed to post to
1: that's one of those things where people may think oh yeah well i could probably just use something like Hootsuite or buffer for this but if you want to integrate with more than a couple of platforms that starts costing a lot of money very quickly yeah and exactly. it can be a lot easier to just use something like shortcuts which okay may still take a few taps every time but if it if it gets you you know like most of the way there and and you're a little short on cash then it's worth spending the time to Instead of the cash, I would say, especially for something like that, where, you know, it's it's nice to double check these things before they go out the door instead of 100% automating them.
0: Now, Charlie, were you ever a workflow user or did you find shortcuts after Apple acquired workflow?
2: So as a, uh, a Cortex listener, I, I had been taught the praises of workflow for a long time, but I had never bitten the bullet and actually jumped into it until mm-hmm. right after Apple bought them and then they made it free. And I was like, oh, I, maybe I'll dip my toes in the water. And that was when I started uh, playing around with like, how can I automate or closely get close to automating posting to all these different things? Mm -hmm. So I was late to the game on workflow, but I did play around with it before shortcuts.
0: Uh, I've heard from some app developer friends who uh, get a little frustrated by apps like workflow or then shortcuts because they're used to kind of a real true programming model where this is more kind of generated for anybody can program. Uh, Did you find any resistance with that kind of those kind of issues?
2: I mean, I think there's definitely an element of that where I can sort of in my mind, write it out as code, you know, Mm -hmm. and I want it to move that fast. And so that sort of friction of dragging things around um, can make it feel a little frustrating. Like (laughs) there's some automations that I should be building for like the way I do my some podcasting stuff. But instead, I'll build like an entire app that definitely takes me way longer than if I would t- were to just do it with a normal automation. But it like feels more comfortable to me because mm-hmm. I know I can type it out.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, for us as programmers, we're probably used to something like a switch statement, where you can say, "Hey, if this value is equivalent to this, then do that. Or if it's equivalent to that, then do this other thing. And otherwise, for by default, do that." And instead, in shortcuts, you have to nest if statements, which can get a little bit tricky from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that for for. For many people, I can see is frustrating, especially if you're trying to to program this on quite a small iPhone screen um, because you don't necessarily have a very nice, shiny 12.9 inch iPad, unlike David. Um, then you're there going, OK, and now this is like, I don't know, one third of my screen in width because I have so many ifs inside of each other. It can be tricky. But at the same time, I personally, as a programmer, quite like the fact that, it, you know, I have this abstraction between me and the code because it is Nice to not have to think about the details. And whoops, I forgot a semicolon over here, or I didn't quite match up my quotation marks there. I'm not sure how that happened, but apparently I missed the shift key and things like that.
0: But but even when you have a nice fancy iPad, there's still some limitations. Like you can't bl- uh, copy and paste blocks, mm. which means you have to often repeat yourself quite a bit when you're making shortcuts. And um like that, we've talked about this in the show repeatedly. But the text field is way too small and. You know, there's a bunch of kind of little things like that, which I hope get fixed going forward. And I'm sure it can be frustrating if you're used to a a normal programming environment.
2: Yeah, that's definitely that was definitely my experience. Uh, Whenever they're smaller, it's so much faster to get something up and running. Um, But once you start getting complicated, like some of those really crazy, intense shortcuts where you're base 64 encoding, you know, images and stuff. That's where it honestly gets so much more complicated to me than if I was just seeing it, you know, written out in code.
0: Could you share one of your, your simple shortcuts that you use often, maybe uh, help people get an idea for something they may want to do?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, outside of the, all the ones that I would use as a sort of promotion for my app, uh, (laughs) one of the ones I do use a lot is I just have one called thoughts. um, And whenever I click on it, it just pops up a, a list of different Apple notes I have for like my different podcasts, my app. Um, I have I have an Apple note that's just ideas. And like anytime I think of an idea, I just want to throw it in there as quick as I can. And so I have a little shortcut that just pops up the different buckets of ideas I have so that I can as quickly as possible get that thing that's in my brain committed down to something I can read later. And that way I don't like forget about it.
0: That's one I use pretty regularly. Let's talk about that one. So I, I would guess it starts with maybe a choose from menu. Um, yeah, let me open it up. Yeah, it starts with the choose from menu. And then you probably have a list of like podcasts, app development, you know, navel gazing, whatever, you know, the the list of them. And then if someone selects one of those, uh one of the challenges I always find with notes is is finding and getting to a note is difficult because it doesn't have a UUID for each note. We just talked about this on the last episode, didn't we, Rose? Um, so how do you have the shortcut find the appropriate note?
2: I don't know. It's just, let's see. It just has the note sitting right there. Uh Yeah, so
1: I seem to remember you can select a very specific note, but you can't then, you can't search for a specific note so easily because if you have that exact same phrase somewhere else, then it won't work. But if you set it up in advance, and that's the advantage that you've got there by using that menu, I believe, um, that you you can just have it say, you know, open this note, which is pretty nice.
2: Yeah, that is. Okay, I set this up so long ago. I'm like, I don't remember exactly how I did that. But yeah, that's exactly what I did.
0: Okay, and then you append text to the end of it, I guess?
2: Uh, No, so it actually just opens it up in notes,
0: so then I can type it out with formatting. Ah, then you just work in the note. Yeah, gotcha.
1: Are you using the show note action for this? I'm just looking at it myself and trying to remember exactly how I did, because I did something similar before. Um, Yes.
2: So I believe it is the show note action. No, it's not show note. What is this? It is. Oh,
1: maybe it is a specifically custom generated donated action from the notes app for a specific note.
2: That No, no, that's exactly what it is. I Okay, so I would open up that note and then you get that one donated. Cuz yeah, at the bottom of my list I have the last couple that I've opened.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. So uh, does that mean Apple has a unique identifier for these notes that it just doesn't share with us? Yes. I, w- I wonder what's under under the hood on that. But yeah.
2: So yeah, I mean it has to because if you go to delete one somewhere in their code, they have to be saying which one they're deleting. And I I also do have I have a couple in here too that are uh, Google Docs, and so that's just you know the URL as text and then open up that in Safari. Yeah,
0: that's uh, I didn't. I guess that's really the only way to do that. But that's a cool shortcut. So it's a very simple one. Uh, You just open a note from a choose from menu. There's really nothing else to it, I would imagine.
2: Yeah, no, it is. It is really simple. It is long because of the. Yeah. The way that the menu system works in terms of how it's laid out in the uh, like the workflow. But um, yeah, I used to have it as a like icon on my home screen, but now I just have it as one of the top uh, items in my like widget shortcuts widget.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you how you triggered it. That makes sense. So So you slide to the left and then there it is. The, uh, and if you're listening and you haven't used choose from menu with shortcuts, you should. This is like such a great gateway action for just about anything. Um, like all of those uh, widgets I have on my home screen are essentially the same thing. It starts with choose from menu, and then you can run individual shortcuts and open apps and do different things from the choose from menu. Another thing you can do with choose from menu, I think a lot of people don't realize, is you can reorder them. Once you put mm-hmm. it together, if you decide you want to... To change the order, you just drag them in the choose from menu command, and that allows you to to really just make it work for you.
1: Yes. And the one thing I always uh, feel like I need to remind people with choose from menu is your menu item itself. So say, for example, I have a menu with two options in it, David and Charlie. David does not actually come out of that menu action when I select it, so I do have to. If you, if I want the text David in that menu option, then I have to put it in a text block or something. But that also means that you can just get whatever is above your menu and feed that into the actions inside of the menu, which is pretty useful. Yeah.
0: So you said you had it on your home screen. Do you run any shortcuts from your home screen?
2: Uh, Not anymore because my home screen is really sparse. Now I pretty much just use the. uh, the shortcuts widget for driving most of mine.
0: Yeah. I go back and forth just recently. I published a YouTube where I had a whole home screen. that was all shortcuts and I had it for like four months and now I've added a couple apps back in, uh, you know, I'm just always going back and forth on that with the iPad now in particular. Uh, it's really nice. Cause you can put the shortcuts widget that's on the home that's on the home screen already uh, just on the left side. And that really solves a problem for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The other thing is they they actually run cleaner in the today view widget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it it doesn't go to the shortcuts app. It just gives you the menus right in the widget, which I think looks nicer,
1: definitely does. and i'm I'm personally a big fan of the the widget. um, and for things that I haven't been using the widget, I have experimented recently with putting a few shortcuts on my home screen. But in general, I've pretty much just put launch cuts on my home screen because with the folders inside of that, I don't feel like I need to throw everything on my home screen. And that runs pretty cleanly as well. Um, and I'm, I'm a big fan. I remember back in the days where putting shortcuts on your home screen would open Safari before it then opened shortcuts. That was so not fun. And it felt like it was a lot of work every time. So I'm really pleased that there are, are better options now. But I still feel that today, today widget is pretty much the best way to go. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Save time typing and boost your productivity with Text Expander. Text Expander lets you instantly insert snippets of text as you type using a quick search or abbreviation. Create snippets for anything you type frequently. They can be simple, like your phone number, or more complex, like long customizable, fill-in fields with automatically calculated dates. Text Expander works everywhere you type. Without special plugins. Use it in email, word processors, spreadsheets, web apps, and more. Businesses like yours use TextExpander every day to manage and share snippets with employees and keep the whole team on track. If you want to learn more about TextExpander, you can sign up for one of their free webinars, which include power tools for customer support professionals with help scout in March and TextExpander Beginner, Advanced, and Teams webinars. You can sign up for the webinars now at com. I first discovered Text Expander about seven or eight years ago, and I mostly use snippets, which include things like fixing the spelling of my name and my email address and maybe even my URL from time to time. These sound simple, but it all adds up. And combined with a couple of those longer form ones where I can say, thank you for being on Automators on March 16th, for example, then I can definitely get everything done. I recommend Text Expander to everybody who types, especially anybody who really hates doing things twice. And it helps with anything, everything, and more. In my case, it mostly helps me with email, and I bet it could help you too. Text Expander is available for Mac OS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad, and automatics listeners get 20% off of their first year. Just go to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about text expander that's text slash podcast if you've been meaning to try text expander check it out now our thanks to text expander for their support of this show and relay fm
0: all right charlie you gave us an easy one now let's hear one of your more complicated ones
1: Ah,
2: uh, so to be honest i don't i think most of mine are pretty easy uh the ones that are complicated are ones that i stole from somebody else so like, I heavily use uh, Federico Vitici's Apple Frames um, sure. for taking screenshots and wrapping them in uh, the iPhone, like, uh, frames or, or you know, iPad or whatever. Um, I think the most complicated one I have would be the one that was posting to all of my different social networks. Um, but that one has, like, it's slowly died to the point where I've stopped using it as often uh, as like a lot of the social network apps have sort of reduced how easily you can automate them, it feels like.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've either reduced the fact, you know, they've removed uh, their shortcut support if they ever had it, or they've broken the APIs that people were previously using, which is a real shame because social media is the perfect thing to automate for something like that. We're very fortunate that we can still post the automator stuff to Twitter automatically. I'm I'm waiting for that to break at some point, though.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they're the ones that are the most likely to keep support.
1: Mm, yes. Yeah. But what social media networks were you posting to when you were using this? And, you know, how was it working in general, just as a concept?
2: Um, so, what I would do is um, I would ask for text for the title of the episode. Mm-hmm. And then it would ask for text for the URL of the episode. And then um, it would. Like it would first, so whenever I built this to age it, I guess, uh, was when Mastodon was definitely going to become very popular. So it would first uh, open up a Safari web view uh, with the Mastodon uh, posting page, Mm -hmm. which you could automate through uh, query string parameters to automatically fill in like the, what the, uh, what the actual post would be. And so it would just have, the title of the episode, oh, it, it, my, it would also ask for the description. So it would ask for three things whenever you launched it. So it would put the title of the episode, uh, carriage return, the description, carriage return, and then the URL to that episode. And then it would do the same thing for, um, for Twitter. And then it would do the same thing for Reddit. And Reddit was kind of the same deal where the Reddit app doesn't support anything, but you could use query string parameters to fill out certain parts of the form. And so there, I would only use the title and the URL. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so for people not familiar, what is a query string parameter? I know what it is. Oh, you know I'm what sorry. it is. No, but no, what, no, yeah. are, what is it for people who are, aren't familiar with it?
2: So in a URL, um, if you see a question mark, everything after the question mark is usually query string parameters. So it's just a name of, of a set of text that you're about to send in and then the actual set of text. So in my case, um, for, uh, it's hard to read the actual, uh, shortcut I have here, but it would, for like Macedon, maybe it would be like, you know, macedon.com slash post question mark title or, a uh, uh, text equals, and then you'd put the actual text of the post that you'd want in there. Mm-hmm. So something like that. And then for Reddit, it might say URL equals, and you'd put the URL of the link that you wanted to post there.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. And it's one of those things where people might be thinking, oh, I can't automate this. But actually, if you have a look at the URL of something, when you go to do it, you may actually be able to automate it it through query string parameters. Because um, the way that you start recognizing query string parameters, as you said, Charlie, is with the question mark. And then you have, you know, this thing equals and then whatever the value of this thing is. And then ampersand, that and sign and then your next key equals value and present key equals value until infinity or until you reach the the limit of the URL length, which at least on iOS is pretty long. Um, so hopefully uh, we shouldn't ever break anything with that.
2: Yeah. And like that was exactly how I was doing it was by looking at how they worked in the real world. But that's also what made the shortcuts that I made uh, kind of brittle because those weren't, you know, officially technically supported APIs uh, mm-hmm. that, you know. Reddit or whoever was promising was going to keep working. And so if they would change how their URLs worked a little bit, it would just like break my stuff. And so I was kind of always putting out fires trying to uh, to keep that going. And now with my new podcast, I don't have nearly as many social networks I'm trying to keep up with. So uh, so far, I haven't automated that very well.
1: Well, you have because you automated it by simplifying it, which is not necessarily the automation solution that people are looking for, but it is a valid one. (laughs)
0: you know i was thinking about um federico's screen um app uh automation you know where he applies the uh, frame of your ios device to your apple frames yeah apple frames i'll put a link in the show notes to this one and you had mentioned that earlier and one of the things that that shortcut demonstrates which i think is real powerful once you understand it is base 64 encoding and decoding and the the whole trick with that shortcut is He has the frames already you know apple has these images on their developer website and he's just encoded them into the shortcut and that's what base 64 allows you to do i do a similar thing with watermarking when i send a pdf to a client um, i have a draft stamp that is a watermark that gets applied and it's a base 64 encoding we've talked on the show in the past about having you know, applications to store data or global variables. But you can also just hard code things like graphic images into your shortcut.
1: I have a uh, shortcut that I use when I'm posting over at the Suite Setup where um, most of the images, so if you take a screenshot of an iPhone, it's really tall and skinny. If you throw that in WordPress, then that image becomes the width of your text in WordPress. So you're there reading and there's like giant iPhone screen followed by more text. And it looks a little bit silly. So to get around this, you can overlay the iPhone on a transparent background. And so I just got a transparent uh, PNG file and I made this in Pixelmator on my iPhone and I just exported it and then I used another shortcut. I can include that shortcut in the show notes actually where you can select an image and then Base64 encode it and put it on your clipboard. Um, And this allows you to then, um, you know, paste that into another shortcut. And so then I use the overlay image in my suite setup uh, shortcut to, to overlay the image into the middle so that my iPhone image is not huge, giant iPhone in the middle of an article. It's, you know, iPhone of a reasonable size in the middle of an article.
2: Oh, my goodness. I'm definitely stealing that from you. (laughs) If you look at my personal blog with uh, my posts for, you know, updates, uh, you will see many a giant iPhone image uh, because of that exact problem.
1: (laughs) It can be quite a tricky problem to solve. And so this is a nice way of doing it.
0: The base 64 stuff, though, is something that I think people who have only made simple shortcuts may feel intimidated by. But it's really not that difficult. Um, I've got videos on it in the uh, shortcuts field guide. I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and um, I'll, I'll publish one of them into YouTube and put it into the show notes for the show. So if you, if you didn't get the field guide, you can still see it. But uh, it really, uh, there's a, it's a very simple procedure, but you can embed graphics into your shortcuts, and suddenly that opens up a whole world for you. So you've got a so you it sounds like me, like you're using shortcuts quite a bit. How many shortcuts do you have?
2: Um, well. It's it's really hard to count because it's a gigantic list.
1: You but, can use a shortcut to count it.
2: Well, so, but here's the problem is probably half of them are uh, noise tester, start ah. river, make it yeah. rain test, start frogs. Like I have so many tests because, you know, I'm trying to build an app that heavily uses shortcuts. And so I have a whole bunch of shortcuts that are literally uh, tests. Oh, here's one that might be cool for other developers. There is a shortcut you can make that literally does nothing but show a notification. And that's actually surprisingly like uh, useful for just popping a notification and seeing how notifications behave generally. It's weird. I know that's really eclectic and uh, I can like share exactly how that's set up uh, with you guys after this. But yeah, that's an interesting one.
1: That sounds very useful. That's something I've actually been trying to work on for something else recently, you know, and trying to get a notification to show up when you needed to show up is one of the trickiest things that you can you can work on. So they're going, hmm, OK, but now I have to click this over here and I have a five minute recording on my iPhone where I was waiting for five minutes for the notification to show up because it took me five minutes to trigger it.
2: Oh, I you know what? I just realized that was using Toolbox Pro. So yeah. <laughs> uh, who you had on uh, somewhat recently. So yeah. I'm not sure if you can do that without uh, Toolbox Pro or if that's in the free mode or not. But if not, you should check out Toolbox Pro because it is great.
0: If you're listening to the automators, you probably have Toolbox Pro installed. I think yeah, the that's Venn a good diagram point. <laughs> is very close to a circle. <laughs> the, uh, the um the, Now, with all those shortcuts, uh, you know, one of the things that Rose and I always bemoan is organization. H- how are you organizing all of them? Uh Very poorly.
2: Basically there's the stuff at the very top which is the ones I use uh from the widget frequently and then there's the ones at the very bottom which are the ones that I'm currently building and everything in between is a gigantic list of unorganized mess uh yeah. where there's probably ones that I've forgotten are even there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like you need to do a shortcut audit. I get it. Yeah. I realized the other day I was using two different shades of gray for one of my categories and it just made me so mad.
1: <laughs> oh no. And it,
0: and I so I sat there like an idiot for like 15 minutes and fixed uh, from a, a, a you know a light shade of gray to a darker shade of gray, and I thought, "This is automation. This is saving time in my life." Right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, David. It's saving time in your life, of course.
0: We're pleased to have Pingdom as a sponsor from Solar Winds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content or how effective your marketing, they'll most likely bounce if your website is loading too slow. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experience so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, device, and platform they use. So you want to identify how visitors are experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations and deliver a great performance to those who matter most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built for scalability, meaning you can monitor millions of page views without compromising any of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to Pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code AUTOMATORS, A-U-T-O-M-A-T-O-R-S, at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Once again, that's Pingdom.com slash RelayFM with the code AUTOMATORS to get 30% off. And thank you to Pingdom from SolarWinds for the support of the automators and all of FM. Charlie, so you have, um, you've got this app and you went all in with automation on it. And something that one of the reasons Rose and I want to have you on is because we want every developer out there to copy what you did to, to take their app and figure out how to make it easier for automators. Um, But we haven't had a chance to talk to too many app developers that have implemented it to the degree you have. How difficult was that? And and what was your experience as a developer adding shortcut support?
2: So... Adding it to the initial app, which originally was targeting iOS 12, because it came out before the official iOS 13 release. Um, it, honestly, it was super easy. Um, and then the unexpected benefits were really cool too. So like, I didn't initially plan on adding handoff support, but because uh, I used some of the APIs for the shortcuts, all of a sudden it just worked and like i i didn't <laughs> this maybe is a showing how little i know but like i didn't realize i was adding handoff support until i opened up my ipad to test something and i saw the icon sitting down there in the handoff section and i was like what i clicked on it and it sure enough just opened up the the same app that i had running on my phone and popped it over to the ipad and whoops
1: i added handover support well that that yeah. sounds like a that sounds like a fun benefit to have accidentally included
2: <laughs> yeah and like the same thing goes for the uh the new like uh, recommendations from Siri. So yeah. like, and this one I did know because I, I read the documentation on, but like uh, there's a whole bunch of things that you get for free by like hooking into some of these backend things that uh, that Apple provides. And shortcuts just happens to be a way to like hit a lot of those different little APIs. And so the benefits were, were huge. Um, where the pain started coming in was when after I released and I immediately shifted gears towards adding support for the new uh, iOS 13 shortcut stuff, like parameters and everything. Uh, That's where everybody probably knows by now, iOS 13's release was just generally kind of a rough release, but that was especially so for shortcuts it felt like. And so I spent a lot of time sort of fighting that. Um, But what I understand is it's in a lot better place now than it was then.
1: And how much do you think your users are actually using all of this shortcut support? Because of course, you know you have the ability to for example start a noise and play it for x period of time or you know for a few other things in there but um you know you've put in all this work how much do you think people are actually using it has it paid off for you
2: i mean a lot or at least the vocal users a lot uh half of the emails i get even if they're like uh support emails asking for a fix for something else they often start with a little paragraph that says you know i use this all the time uh And I have a shortcut set up for whenever I wake up, uh, I just hit this button and it'll kick off, you know, the sound of birds or whatever. And like very frequently, I get anecdotes from people about specifically how they're using it with shortcuts. That's almost always what it is. I mean, sometimes I get like it's helping my kids sleep and stuff like that. But uh, at at the very least, the shortcuts users are very vocal, which, you know, for your mental health is nice to hear uh, nice things coming from people using it all the time.
0: Let's talk for a minute about how Shortcuts works with the app because um, I feel like you did just such a great job of making it easy. Um, You've got a couple shortcuts, actions available uh, specific to dark noise. And from it, you can select a sound and just drop it in to any shortcut. And really, that's all there is to it. Yeah, I think
2: where it gets complicated is with if you want to run it in the background or run it through your HomePod. Um, So because of the way that... They added uh, parameterized shortcut support in iOS 13. You can't run a parameterized shortcut in the background. It has to actually open up the app, or at least for for stuff that's playing uh, audio like mine is. And so there's sort of a weird thing where, um, if you use the very simple shortcuts where it just says play uh, parameter, and then you can also have play parameter for, and then you can set a duration. Um, yeah. Those are using sort of the simplified version of shortcuts where it'll actually just open up the app, which for most people is is totally fine. Um, but a lot of people want to be able to just hit the button on their home screen or whatever, and it just start playing without them having to actually pop the app open. And Apple did give us the ability to support that, but it has to. It's very sort of limited on how you can do that. And so um, if you look through the list, and I'm going to try and keep my phone away so it doesn't buzz. Um, if you look through the list of, of actions that, sh- uh, dark noise supplies, you'll see that some of them start with the word play and yeah. some of them start with the word start. And the ones that start with the word play are the, you have to do that if you're using Apple's, uh, uh, media, uh, intent, which means that those can run in the background, but they, they can't use parameters. So I, it's unfortunate that I have to make this sort of extra complicated but it i do at least have the ability to play some of them totally in the background
1: i think that's one of the things that you know can make Implementing shortcuts perhaps seem a little more difficult than it is because I know we've seen this recently with OmniFocus adding its own shortcuts. You now have two OmniFocus shortcuts: one called Add Task Paper and one called Ta- Add Task Paper to OmniFocus. The latter is maintained by the shortcuts team, and the former is maintained by the Omni group. Um, and you know, differentiating between those is a bit tricky. But in your case, you have you are the one providing these two different ones, but yeah. there, there are different purposes behind them, um, and th- that's something that you know, it's, it can be a little tricky. Can you have any parameters at all in the ones that run in the background? Or it, do you have to um, put them in the foreground if there are parameters?
2: Not currently. And I should say, in the background uh, is maybe a misnomer. I th- I believe that you can have ones that run in the background with parameters, but they can't be long tasks running in the background, which obviously is important for uh, playing Sound audio. Dap. yeah. Yeah, so... So yeah, hopefully that's a thing that sort of irons itself out over time. But just if anybody's looking at those and they're confused why why there's those two sets in there, that's why.
0: Yeah, so like, for instance, you can start with a specific duration or start with a specific top stop time. Uh, that is one set versus all the play options you have, like play Thunderstorm. Exactly.
2: But like, like, for example, if you want to play on your HomePod, if you want that sort of native ask your HomePod to play a shortcut, it has to be using that sort of play uh, version that can run in the background. But Mm -hmm. what a lot of enterprising users have already figured out is there's shortcuts for uh, changing your AirPlay settings. So you can just build a shortcut that sets your AirPlay settings to point to your HomePod or to a HomePod group. And then you can call Play, uh, the parameterized version of Play. So even though it has to open the app, it's going to push it over to the HomePod still.
1: Can you use the um i'm unfortunately uh without my home pods at the moment i'm I'm traveling um but um can you use the the handoff to with dark noise so there there are two different uh playback uh actions inside of shortcuts there's one which says uh set the playback of your device uh set your playback destination sorry, and that you can specify you know like an Apple TV or a HomePod and that's what I mostly use but you can also hand off the playback to be completely independent can you do that um, with dark noise would that work or because you can't install dark noise in a HomePod does it get confused and just sort of look at you and go mm-hmm? as HomePods occasionally do
2: so you can't it has to be coming through the phone right um, which I think is the case for anything third party at the moment like I still can't even uh, play like Spotify through my HomePod unless it's coming through my phone or, or my Apple TV
1: yeah. yeah, which is which is unfortunate. Will there be dark noise for the Apple TV though? That's a question.
2: It's definitely on my list of things that I would like to add, but I'm I'm trying to get the uh, the iOS app fully featured first.
1: I think that's a fair answer.
2: <laughs>
0: I I really do like the, you know, getting back to the application as we talked about at the beginning of the show. One of the things I like about it is kind of the opinion of it. I like that it's got a definite design, but it is changeable you can change the ui colors you can even change the icon if you want um and it has a very simple list you can choose from to pick the sounds you want um you know how did you pick all these sounds you have so many different sounds available
2: um i mean two things so one was while i was deep into the depths of making this uh, i happened to go on a vacation with my wife to seattle and so (laughs) i brought along my little field recorder and I recorded a bunch of sounds. So like the airplane interior and waterfall creek. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> a lot of That's those great. are just, uh, I happen to be walking by those and got the recording. I'm like, ooh, this will be really cool. Um, so a big portion of them are that. And then uh, and then there was the ones that are like obvious, like white noise, brown noise, pink noise. Um, but then the more weird ones, a lot of those came from, uh, I opened up the beta pretty early. And a very consistent thing whenever somebody joins the beta is that they they would ask for some weird particular sound. And it always sounded weird at first until you heard their explanation and then it made perfect sense. Uh, like your example of wanting to use thunderstorms uh, to sort of train your dog to be used to thunderstorms. I got the same thing for lawnmowers with babies or snoring with, uh, if your partner is like going on a business trip or something. Um, people like to replicate sounds that they're comfortable with. And those sounds are often very, very particular. And so uh, I have a gigantic list of things that I want to add, but I have to be careful because I don't want to let the app get too too bloated. Yeah, always a challenge.
1: And there's, I think, 42 sounds in there at the moment. How long is each sound on average?
2: It's, it's very varying. Uh, that's a weird sentence. So like white noise, brown noise, uh, even the rain ones, those are often pretty short. Um, I tried to get away with as short as I thought I could get away with where you wouldn't feel the loop. Mm-hmm. So the thunderstorm one is actually pretty long because there's big gaps between the thunder and I really didn't want you to like feel that that loop. Same with like the coffee shop or the city sounds where you can hear uh, not necessarily particular voices like the words, but you can hear you know, sounds of clanking uh, forks or coffee mugs or whatever. And I didn't want anything to stand out so much that you would really notice the loop. So those are really long. Um, so it's really dependent on the sound.
1: I remember years ago, there was a radio station in the UK that I think it just used to play like the countryside sounds. Um, but if you listen to it for a while, then you would realize that like every 45 minutes, the tractor went past. And it was the same tractor every uh, time because then after <laughs> that, there'd be a certain tweet of a bird and the wind blowing through the trees. And it's like, okay, you know, like you could listen to it for like a day or so. And then it would start to drive you up the wall very, very quickly.
0: <laughs> well, well, I don't experience that with dark noise and i I was telling you before we even start recording, I probably play this app 20 hours a week because I quite often when I want to focus in on something, I'll put the and it's the thunderstorm. I just play that thunderstorm always and I don't notice it. whereas in some apps and recordings in the past, they were short enough that I actually started to know like there's three lightning strikes followed by one, you know, it's like you start to know, what's going to happen and that hasn't happened to me with your app. So so good on you.
2: And one of the one of the interesting things too is that uh, the new uh mix feature where you can mix multiple noises together that I'm working on, that's in beta right now. Uh I play those sounds at a random time. They start at a random time no matter what. So once that's out, you could like mix two thunderstorm sounds together. And once you play them, they'll sort of interweave Uh, at random times necessarily Ah, so that you would get a variance of sound pretty much all the time now is that an open beta it's an open beta as of yesterday
0: all right send me the link i'll put it in the show notes and i will be signing up awesome yeah
1: i'm already on the beta i've been playing with this feature i did not know that little piece of background information and i am now so excited um and i didn't realize either so you're saying that you can um like blend two of the same sound
2: You can add as many of the same sounds as you want. I probably should have a limit on that.
1: Okay, so I can't just do, like, river and waterfall. I can do waterfall and waterfall. This is good fun.
2: Yeah, the way I announced this uh, feature whenever I first got it built was uh, I made a a mix that was just, like, 40 of the keyboard sounds uh, all together. And then you can pick, uh, you can use animated GIFs, or GIFs, however you want to say it, uh, as your icon or you can, you know, you can build, I have a little icon builder in there too, but I use the little animated gif of, uh, Kermit the frog where he's like slapping on the typewriter and yeah. it had 40 <laughs> typewriter keyboards all running at the same time with that animation.
0: Nice. <laughs> Kermit the frog. Yes. What, what are some of the interesting, uh, automation uses with dark noise that you've heard from, from customers?
2: Well, okay. So one that's not, well, it's the most important customer, which is my wife. Uh, she is very particular about having the exact same sound on whenever she sleeps and at the exact same volume. And she got a little annoyed at me because I added the um, the volume slider to the home screen because for me personally, that was really useful. But for yeah. her, it was annoying because it's harder to get the sound to the exact right level you want when you don't see the, the little bars, you know, the standard UI bars that don't show whenever the slider is on the screen. Yeah. And so uh, for her, I built a shortcut that you it'll just set the volume automatically to a specific volume right before it starts playing. Yeah. And that's turned into big enough of a thing that people seem to like that I'm actually building that into the app now. Um, okay. But that's one of those examples, and there's a bunch of these that, like, people are, are sort of filling out missing uh, features that I have using shortcuts. So the other one is, like, alarms. Um, I don't have the ability because iOS doesn't give us or Apple doesn't give us one to, to set alarms to where it'll play a sound automatically at a certain time. Yeah. Um, And so you can use those new automations, uh, automations, that's what they're called in shortcuts to, you, you can't have it start the sound automatically, but you could have it pop a notification that if you tap it, it'll start the sound. And a lot of people do that for their like wake up routines. Um, so it'll, it'll automatically start a certain type of sound at a certain type of day. Um, along with maybe, uh mixing in like n p r or something like that, and it sort of like gets them going for the day that way,
0: yeah, I hate so much that you have to tap a, a notification though it's like come on apple
1: well, if you use the when the alarm stops feature then you, that's an automation where you don't have to confirm it because stopping the alarm is essentially you confirming it um so it does just run if you turn that if you turn the confirmation off at any rate,
2: right, yeah, I think that's what most people are doing
1: mm-hmm. I'm using the same thing as your wife actually where I have um, it set the the playback to a specific volume at night um, and then um, and then it plays uh, the I think it's the rain sound I can't remember now because it just happens um, and it turns off after half an hour and that is great for me because I, I really like it and it drowns out all sorts of weird sounds and especially uh, at the moment we've got a lot of people who are staying at home more so they're staying up later and later and later watching television and uh, it's nice to just drown that out.
0: I I use the uh, set destination, so I send it to the HomePods, to the one you were talking about earlier. That's something that I use in a lot of my automations with, uh, with Dark Noise. Uh, what was the biggest challenge for you in terms of incorporating automation into Dark Noise?
2: I mean, definitely the iOS 13 stuff. Um yeah. Specifically, one of the things that they changed was, for some reason, so so the way that my app works, most uh, shortcuts that you see are like automatically registered as shortcuts for the app. So like Apple notes, you know, has a create note, find note, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then there's also the shortcuts that you donate as you use the app. Mm -hmm. So like in Apple notes, you know, if you open up a certain one, a certain note, you can donate that, uh, open this particular note. So that's how I'm, um, that's how I'm setting up the shortcuts for each of the sounds. So whenever you open up the app, it goes through all the current sounds, um, which this is important once mixes and user-created sounds are, are in there. Um, when you open up the app, it donates all the sounds all at once, and that's how you get them in the app. So with iOS 13, uh, seemingly with no documentation, although I would be very happy to be proven wrong on this, but I haven't been able to find it, they just dropped that to only allow you to donate 10, and it's not the last 10 that you donated, it's the first 10 that you donated. And I don't really know why, but I spent, you know, a couple of weeks trying to figure out what it was I was doing wrong before somebody from from the shortcuts team reached out and said, oh, actually, no, it's supposed to do that. Um, And so, like, there was a bunch of things like that with the the iOS 13 specifically uh, shortcut support that I just kept running into these brick walls where there wasn't there was seemingly no answer for it. And. I couldn't find other people who were having the same exact scenario as me because, like you said, like shortcut support is getting better, but it's certainly not uh, as ubiquitous as a lot, of, a lot of things. And so finding people that were also doing audio apps that were also running into this particular issue uh, was kind of hard to find.
0: Yeah, from iOS 12 to iOS 13, shortcuts kind of underwent a boiling the ocean scenario. So I don't think they're going to reinvent the app again this year. I I feel like this is the year the sandpaper comes out and they knock off some of the sharp edges. So um, at least that's what I really hope.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would definitely be nice. And because I mean, the foundations that they laid are fantastic, I'm I'm really yeah. excited about what they did with iOS 13, especially as a user. Uh, but as yeah. a developer, it was a little bit painful.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, just the idea of of building it in. I mean, the problem was always going to be you know, and this is a, a, a drum I bang on the show frequently, they don't have Apple events on iOS. So there's not an easy magical way that anybody can tie into anything on the device. So they had to have the developers create the hooks in their apps. And that's what they did last year. They created a framework for you to do that. But um, they've they've got to make it easier. And I think that's what's going to start happening.
1: I mean, to some extent, it already is happening. I saw a tweet uh, from the Drafts app the other day, a couple of weeks ago, probably now, um, where um, somebody had tweeted at the Drafts app saying that um, uh, the home screen on their iPhone showed uh, the toilet coats when they got to a Starbucks, because apparently, uh, I did not know this, in the US, there are some places where you need to have like a code that you can type into the lock on the bathroom to open the bathroom. It's only for customers um, and people save the codes so that they can reuse them, which makes perfect sense to me because if you need a bathroom, you need a bathroom. Um, and so they had this saved in drafts and because drafts was donating, not just when they opened it, but where they opened it, when they got to this place, it automatically said, Hey, you usually do this thing in drafts. Um, so they're, they're definitely getting there with this thing. And if they could add hooks so that when this thing happens, you know, it suggests that you, you trigger that, um, that, that, is definitely going to be the the next step from taking those, those actions from inside of apps and making them available to shortcuts too.
0: Automation, making toilet codes easier for everyone.
1: <laughs> this is How's not that? something I've had any experience with. So I wonder if it works on your Apple Watch. Anyway, <laughs> something to experiment with if WWDC ever happens again.
0: Oh, it will happen. <laughs> They've announced it. It's just not going to happen with us in the same city.
1: Yes, which means I won't have the uh, the chance to experience toilet codes in America. I think, on in the grand scheme of things, if that's an experience I can skip, them. that's probably for the best. It's all
0: right, Rose. They're not going anywhere. Toilet codes will be here whenever you make it back. I pro- I'll take you to a, a Starbucks and show you.
1: Okay, I'm not sure that this is a promise that I want to be fulfilled.
0: I, I'm not. I'm not sure where this is going, but <laughs> the, it's uh, okay. There'll well,
1: be thunder sounds in the speaker system.
0: Well, either way. Charlie Chapman is putting shortcuts into his app and he's showing the way. And I love that this app is so popular and so many people have adopted it. I love that your customers are using shortcuts because that means that, you know, what you did is paying off and I hope other app developers listening, will start giving it some thought themselves.
2: Yeah. I, that has definitely been the thing I've been preaching is uh, even if it doesn't feel like it feels like it's like an add on feature. I think it's an add-on feature that has compounding benefits that you don't really necessarily realize as you're building it. Uh, Whether it's free, like, Apple support that you get uh, because they just hook it into other parts of their system or, you know, your users being able to build their own versions of features that you haven't implemented yet. Uh, Both of those things have been super beneficial for me.
0: I mean, when all this stuff is put together properly, Shortcuts becomes an app development platform for users, you know, I want a custom app that when I go into Starbucks to answer my email, plays specific music and turns off notifications and sets the screen brightness and does all these things for me. And I can do that so long as the app developers play along. And, and you you came to the market with a category of application where there was tons of apps that make rain sounds, but none of them had thought to take advantage of this stuff. And because you did it, you gave me – more tools in my play box. And that's exactly what I want. And I, I really, like I said, I was just so pleased when you released this app. And I, I, this is the first time, you know, I've ever talked, but I just, you know, I, I immediately knew this is a guy that gets it or a gal that gets it. I didn't know who had made it at that point. Um, as I say often, I love single developer apps where one person is passionate about something and man, thank you for, for making this great app for us.
2: Well, thank you uh, for that. That means a lot to hear. Uh, and thank you for bringing me on the show. This is this is my first time on a Relay FM show, so that's like extraordinarily exciting as somebody who's who's consumed a lot of uh, these shows, including this one, for a long time.
0: Well, you can send me your picture and everything. I'm going to put you as in the relay system now. You're in the system. Oh so man! When the wow. show goes up, it'll have your picture up there. You're And where can folks find you, Charlie? Like uh, Twitter? uh, I know you've got a website for your app. What is it? I think darknoise.app.
2: Yeah, darknoise.app is my website. Uh, It's, you know, it's a pretty standard website. I'd say uh, Twitter underscore Chucky C is my Twitter. And then uh, they can go to at darknoiseapp for uh, for the app itself. But Twitter is definitely my like first uh, source of information or first place I put information. And then everything else sort of follows from there. And you mentioned your podcast. Tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, I started a podcast earlier this year called Launched, and it's about uh, anybody who, who releases sort of any sort of interesting uh, content on the Internet and talking to them about their process of, of launching it and building it. And uh, actually, the last episode that's aired was uh, with Rosemary. So that was a really great
0: episode. So people should definitely
2: check that, check that out.
0: Awesome. And the app is called dark, dark noise. Get it. If you don't, if you, if you have any desire to have noise playing in the background, this is the one you want. And, uh, and I, I wish you all the luck. I know this app has been successful for you and I, I hope you just keep doing it. sounds like you got some nice work going on in, with beta development, so That means you're not done <laughs> and, um, everybody check it out.
2: Yeah. And I, we kind of mentioned it, but, uh, the beta right now is public. I opened up the, uh the like limit to the biggest limit that test flight will let me do because it's kind of like the tiniest thing i could think of that could like help people maybe during this time where everybody's stuck at home so even if you're just wanting to use it uh personally and you have no intention of like being a quote tester and sending me bug reports that is not going to bother me feel free to to download that beta and i'm going to make sure that that's active throughout this whole thing as it's a pand- pandemic
0: well, I, I don't know if I, I don't think I've ever said on any of my podcasts, but I have tinnitus. I hear um, ring in my ears at all times. So having apps like yours really helps. And uh, and I think there's a lot of folks out there. If you do find yourself working from home, uh, you'd be surprised what a difference it can make to have just a little bit of noise in the background.
1: Definitely. All right, gang.
0: So uh, we are The Automators. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. You can find the forum over at talk.automators.fm. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks with a new show. Thank you to our sponsors over at Kensington, Tex Expander, and Pingdom. And until next time, keep automating.